and welcome to How to Deal When the Shit Gets Real podcast. I'm Rietta. And I'm Connie. And today we are here with James Scott. So James, how do you deal when shit gets real? In other words, just, you know, explain to our listeners a little bit about yourself. (laughs) So I'm James Scott. I am from originally from Glasgow, Scotland, and now reside 40 miles east in Edinburgh, Scotland. I've been in America in and out since I was a kid. Got a long history kind of adopted family over there so came back and forth quite a bit and and that's how I got into sports and and started a sports podcast oh awesome what's the name of your sports podcast well it started off as a podcast it's now a podcast network so it's across Mm -hmm. the pond sports network we've got across the pond sports podcast which kind of covers your NFL and NBA Um, and then we've got across the pond NHL podcast which is dedicated to the NHL and across the pond MLB podcast which actually just launched this week. Awesome. I love it. So out of all of those sports, which one is your favorite? Played basketball since I was about 10 years old. And I got to see the dream team back in 92, which is what kind of got me into basketball. Oh, um, yeah. Back in Barcelona. Well, that's awesome to see them in Barcelona. Oh, so I didn't get to see them in person, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> I, I it was on did. TV. <laughs> I was like, they went to Barcelona? That's really cool. <laughs> I wish. I probably wouldn't have known the gravitas that I was in if I had been there. But yeah, you got to see it on TV. Because yeah, in the duh. UK, in the UK, there was there was nothing. There was like a big break between like the last track and field event and the like closing ceremony. So they had nothing to show. So they just showed the gold medal game um, of the bar- basketball. So that was the only reason I actually got to see them. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, really? That's so cool. (laughs) I mean, it's still cool watching it on TV, too. But I was like blown away. I was like, whoa. (laughs) So what has drawn you to sports? Not even just basketball, but like all of them. So I started off with basketball. Basketball was kind of my big thing. And I played in high school and just kind of continued that. And it was a good way, obviously, to stay fit, healthy. And, you know, as a kid, you start to have dreams, you know, you want to go to college you want to play in the NBA that kind of thing and then probably mid-90s I found American football or as you guys call it football someone gave me a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt for Christmas Um, I couldn't even tell you who it was and I was kind of like well they'll be my team then Um, so I just started supporting the Cowboys uh, from there and then a few years ago I got to go to my parents live in the Bay Area so um, they took me out to the Oakland Coliseum. Um, so I got to see my very first baseball game with the Oakland A's. And since then, I've, I've just decided that they would be my team since they were the first team I've seen live and, and in person. Yeah, baseball is so different when it's when it's live. I For have sure. a harder time myself on TV. I mean, well, postseason baseball is amazing. I can watch that on TV, but regular season can be harder. But in person, like you can't. It's amazing. Plus the food. Plus, I'm there for the hot dogs all the way. (laughs) 100%. I mean, I I pegged out when I was there, to be fair. And the way it worked is we were at the Oakland A's uh, in the afternoon. And then in the evening, my basketball team, the Utah Jazz, they were playing the Golden State Warriors about a thousand, about a hundred yards across the concourse. So we went from like the Oakland Coliseum right into the Oracle Arena to, nice. to go watch that. So it was really, really good timing. A day full of sports. I love it. 
I was so sad when the Cowboys got rid of Cole Beasley. I love Cole Beasley. So when he left, I was like, no. (laughs) I love that your team is like, well, I saw them in person. You are now my team. This is my team. I saw you in person. Done. I love that rationale because other people would be like, no, it has to be this team because they have the best stats. It's like, (laughs) no, it doesn't matter. Definitely not a glory hunter. We, we call that in the UK people who would go and support like Manchester United just because they're the champions. So um, I'm definitely not one of those. I nearly, I did when I was younger, I got called that because I was a Cowboys fan. But I was like, well, they've not won a Super Bowl since then. So mm-hmm. not my fault. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. an even purer reason. It's like, well, I got a t-shirt. They have to be my team now. I'm wearing exactly. the shirt. Yeah. Yeah, we call that bandwagoning here in the U.S. I'm a Blackhawks fan, so I get accused of that a lot. And I'm like, no, no, no. I remember when they were freaking terrible. Mm -hmm. Not a bandwagon. (laughs) And when you live in Chicago, it's there's no other sport. You are going to like the Blackhawks. Yeah, that's it. For me, at least for my household. (laughs) They were like, like, you will like the Bears and you will like the Hawks and you will like the Sox and you have no choice. (laughs) Wow. Because when I was growing up, obviously in the 90s, the Bulls and the Jazz had their their two years of NBA finals. So like I'd be up till 5 a.m. watching those NBA finals and go to school the next morning. Just like uh, I'm going to go to sleep now. (laughs) basketball is like the one sport that i i honestly don't know much about i do remember the bulls because i was a young kid being huge in the 90s because i mean everybody was watching it that was michael jordan that was like the prime time but other than that i couldn't really tell you much about basketball myself anyway so first started reading about you and and we had first chatted you talked about that you have if i say this wrong please correct me neurofibromacetosis is that right Close, really, really close. Uh, neurofibromatosis. So yeah, it's uh, there's three stages of, of neurofibromatosis. Um, stage three is like you get, you know, when you put a coffee cup down on a bit of paper and it leaves like that ring around, that would be on your skin. So it's non-cancerous, it's non-invasive, it's just like a mark on your skin. Uh, the second one, which is the one I've got, basically you get small growths basically tumors that grow off the ends of nerves and it can happen anywhere in the body for me when i was younger it wasn't in the great places that they decided to grow but it was what it was but and number one if you have neurofibromatosis one that's that's elephant man disease so i don't know if anyone ever seen the film with share but that's that's basically basically that but i've got a uh, number two so i count myself quite lucky that the tumors aren't cancerous I think statistically, I'm very unlikely to ever get cancer because of that. So I do count myself exceptionally lucky. And it's funny because Hawaii actually kind of plays a role uh, in my in my story. Um, oh, because I mean, I the shit really didn't get real for me until I was like 19, because I was so young. Uh, the first tumor I got was under my eye uh, when I was about eight years old. It was turning my eye vertical because as it, as it was growing, it was like turning the eyeball. I'm so sorry if anyone's squeamish. And so the doctor called my mom in and he's like, oh, we're going to do a CAT scan and stuff. And they were kind of like, right, okay, so we've done a CAT scan. There's quite a big mass there. And we had this doctor, Dr. Dale. I'll never forget his name because he's a complete douche. And he was <laughs> an, e, an ENT surgeon. And I was eight years old and cocky and arrogant and stuff. So I was just larking about 
And uh, he turned to my mom and he said, right, so um, you're probably not going to have James for Christmas. So this was October. And so, yeah, my mom didn't take it well, as you can imagine, any parent really wouldn't. And she gave me a big hug and I'm like, like, what's going on? (laughs) What? And I, I, I really didn't kind of deal with it in terms of acknowledging it I didn't like acknowledge it at all and they said oh we'll get him in for a biopsy and all the rest of it so biopsy came back it's non-cancerous and he says right we'll just schedule and we'll get the tumor out and bing bang bosh and, and on you go and and that's what happened and where it took a bit of a turn for the worst was about three four years later um, I was starting to get regular scans in my head because they were worried to kind of a regrowth and all that kind of thing. So, and funnily enough, yet yeah, a regrowth happened. And however, this tumor had gone a bit deeper. So it was a bit in, in under the brain. Dr. Dale, on coming back from one of his many golf trips to Singapore, decided that um, he would go in through the old scar in my face um, to go and kind of get that tumor out he said yeah it's Ow. not a problem at all and he said yeah I can consult with a neurosurgeon you know I'll, I'll, I mean I'll probably do that but this is this is a small small fry to me so went in had surgery woke up um but groggy watched Star Trek 6 at the end of Star Trek 6 my mom turned off the tv and I was like oh, I was gonna watch the news or something and uh by this point I'm 14 and I'm kind of a bit older but not a bit wiser, probably even more cockier than normal. <laughs> I, I still just didn't care. Like, I was just like, all right, okay, I've got to a hospital, I've got for surgery, right, fair enough. And so at that point, uh, my mom turns to me and she says, oh, they, I need to tell you something. I was like, oh, what's that? They didn't get the tumour out. And I'm like, what do you mean they what? didn't get the tumour out? Yeah, Dr. Dale didn't get the tumour out. I was like, well, where is Dick? it? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just hearing Dr. Dale, and I'm like, yeah, Dr. Dale Dick. <laughs> it's funny, I'm pretty sure that's what my mom used to call. But yeah, so he, she, I was like, well, where is he? And she's like, oh, he's not coming. He basically told me and buggered off probably to Singapore to play golf again. You're going to see this neurosurgeon tomorrow. And I was like, all right, okay, fine. So this neurosurgeon walks in my door, little short ginger guy. I just laid it out on him. Like, I was just so angry. And I think I was more angry that the other doctor had just yeah. left my mom to tell me instead yeah. of him yeah. coming in the room and kind of saying. So so I just laid it on him. And he took it. And he, he took a lot. And I'd, at that point, being that young, I'd never used bad language in front of my mom. So, uh, yeah, she heard a lot that day as well. And you know <laughs> what? She, she never hit me at once. I was like, I kept scared. Yeah, because she feels kept, the same way. <laughs> exactly because I kept thinking I'm gonna get a slap in the back of the head in a minute and told to shut up but like she never she just kind of let me go and get it out but this Mr. Statham Patrick Statham sat there and he kind of explained to me nice and calmly like what he was going to do and he looked at my scans already and stuff and you know he he kind of brought me around a little and he said we're going to engage with other surgeons this is actually going to be such a big operation um, it's probably one of the biggest ones he's going to have done in his career by that point. And at that point, he is quite young. I think he's in his late 30s. So for a neurosurgeon, I think that's probably quite young. But he says, what I'm going to do is we're in October, November. I'm going to let you go, enjoy Christmas, and we'll do this in February. And I was like, oh, okay, can't we just do it now? And he's like, no, it's best if you kind of 
recover a bit and, you know, rest up. And I was like, all right, cool. So I did a whole bunch more kind of scans and everything. And obviously it was, it was come to the stage where they were explaining the surgery and that they were going to crack my skull open and basically displace my face so that oh they my could goodness. get to this tumor. So they're going to like break my jaw and all this kind of stuff. And I was, and I was like, hang on, like people are going to like be messing around with my face. Like it's going to kind of go back together. Like I'm not like Humpty Dumpty or anything. And <laughs> uh, my mom was kind of like, no, 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 they're, they're going to put you back together. And I would hope and, so. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> they talked about deficits. It's like muscle and all the rest of it in the face, but they didn't really kind of go into details. And to be honest, I didn't really care at that point. I was watching basketball, I was playing basketball, and shouldn't have been because I just had surgery. So I was getting in trouble for that. But, <laughs> but February came around. And the day before surgery, I was a big Star Trek fan back then as well. In Edinburgh, they were having the, the launch of uh, Star Trek, the exhibition. And Marina Sirtis, who played Deanne Troy, was going to be there. Um, some very kind people at the Art Centre in Edinburgh said, would James like to come present flowers and to, oh, to Marina so Sirtis? Awesome. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was on the front page of the newspaper that day. And like the local newspaper because like this was a big surgery and it was kind of a big deal so they were kind of like yeah we'll have James in you can take some pictures and all this and Maria Sirtis by the way was lovely she was so so nice really chatty I, and stuff I imagine her being really lovely because she's such a like a mellow character I feel like it would translate yeah oh no and you know what caught me first though is because she was on Star Trek she had an American accent and as soon as she started talking because she's from London I was like that it totally oh, threw me off. You were like, yeah. like it, I was like, that's that's not Councillor Troy. Who, who's this? This <laughs> <laughs> is like an imposter. I said, for me, thanks, because this is weird. Yeah, just, <laughs> this is so weird. So that was like the day before, and then the next day I was going in for surgery. And again, I really didn't understand the gravity of the situation at all. I really didn't. I decided to go in and take my Sega Mega Drive and everything else and TV, because I was going to be in for a while. And... Uh, Mr. Statham came round and does his pre-op and everything. And again, I'm just, he's telling me the surgery and he's saying like all this stuff's going to happen and I'm not going to be able to walk for a few days and all this kind of stuff. And it just went right over my head. And I was just, I don't know if I didn't care, but I just didn't or didn't want to think about it. So I wake up from surgery and I look like I've gone 10 rounds with Frank Bruno. Tyson. I... <laughs> It was, it was weird because I was on morphine and you're on like really high doses. Like I can't even remember the first kind of week. But what I do remember is, and this is why I've never ever tried drugs in my life. Like I've never even smoked because coming off morphine was like the worst feeling in the world. Like the surgery was easy in comparison to coming off the drugs. So And you were I only was, on it for a week? And I was only on, I was on high doses, but I was only only on it for a week like I was just, on adult doses at 14 so it just shows um, how strong it is though even though you were on high doses that's still even it only took a week for it to have that kind of effect on you yeah I had to go through like a withdrawal and they kind of weaned oh me goodness. off it and stuff so yeah it was it was pretty and I was in a controlled environment like I was in a hospital mm -hmm. so. yeah the surgery itself though was only supposed to last about 13 hours but Mr. Statham managed to do it in eight that's managed impressive. to leave me with a, a nice scar that goes right across the top of my head from ear to ear. 58 staples. 
a couple of stitches because they'd taken a bit of my ear off as well, you know, just for good measure. And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I was kind of like, wow, this is this has kind of been this has been fun. And like I went, I remember going to the bathroom. Like one of the first things I remember, and this is probably a week after surgery, is I go to the bathroom and the nurse says, "Will you be all right going yourself?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine." And I was on an adult ward, so I had a room to myself. But I went into the, the bathroom or the restroom and there's a mirror there. And at this point, I've not seen myself. And I, I saw myself and I just about passed out because I was like, well, that's that's not me facing me. Because um, I was unrecognizable just with the amount of bruising and everything yeah. else. And swelling. It had to be terrifying. I immediately thought, thought elephant man disease because that's what they've been talking about before. And I was like, oh, that's what it looks like. It doesn't, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> um, and uh, and I went through obviously rehab and stuff, and I was very fortunate um, to have Mr. Statham, um, and I still see Mr. Statham today. This was what this was twenty five years ago now, so I was very very lucky to have Mr. Statham um, as my neurosurgeon, and he had kind of brought me through what was a very traumatic surgery and he always kind of made sure I was okay and all that kind of stuff but it wasn't until I got a bit older you know you start living your life and you leave school and you get a job and all this kind of thing I don't know if you guys ever watched ER in the back in the 90s being from Chicago I'd imagine yeah yeah so so I I watched um Dr. Green like he was one of my favorite characters him and Carter were like my my favorite characters and Dr. Green had a brain tumor Mm-hmm. It was cured and he was fine and everything else. And then a couple of seasons later, or a season and a half later, he had another tumour in the brain. And I was like, wow, that's that's really weird. He's He's got another tumour. They went through a whole storyline of him kind of going and like everyone knew, I think he was leaving at the end of the season anyway, and that this was his kind of farewell. He went to Hawaii with his daughter in the last episode. And he was basically saying his goodbye for whatever reason. I have absolutely no idea why it just hit me and like reality really kind of set in and and that's like the moment that kind of shit got real for me because I was like oh crap I've had all these surgeries I've like had this happen and that happen and I've not really like I could have died and and that was the kind of reality it really kind of sunk in how thankful I should be to, to be alive because here's a guy who yeah okay he's a tv character but at the same time if that would that probably has happened and he's there in Hawaii he's on the beach and you know he's he's effectively saying goodbye and that that got really real for me I started to kind of look for answers somehow you know you look at religion you look at religion wasn't for me though <laughs> you look at like <laughs> sports and I, I kind of probably got deeper into sports because you know I maybe didn't want to think about the bad stuff and and that's when it kind of came rushing back to me because when I had been younger my mom had sent me to a psychologist because she was like or a psychiatrist because she was like something not right here James isn't dealing with all these surgeries he's just moving on he's not he's dealing with it and so I would sit down with these psychiatrists psychiatrists and I'd just beat them because I'd be like oh yeah man I just like compartmentalize it I just you know got a problem deal with it move on and psychiatrists would buy it because they're stupid so (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I just kind of went on like that. And but from that point, like there was definitely a, a, a build up in me of anger, not resentment, but kind of re- release of kind of this reality that I, I really could have died. And uh, it really kind of affected me even though like I knew I didn't have cancer and I was very lucky, I kind of felt like I'd kind of taken the piss about it. It really probably wasn't a good, and even in my work life at that point, like I was, I was like a dumb 19 year old kid who was just messing around. And I decided at that point I would kind of change, become a bit more of an adult. I got like a proper girlfriend who I'm now married to. And I, I just decided that, to do something with my life so it was actually worth something rather than just kind of winging it which is pretty much what I did I just kind of when you turn 18 in Scotland I don't know what it's like everywhere else but in Scotland you go to the pub and you drink and you kind of fool around with your friends and you mess around and stuff and that just wasn't a lifestyle that was going to be sustainable not if I wanted to have a long life but drinking and all the rest of it just isn't isn't going to sustain you and your friends are only going to be along for so long before they can start dropping out as well so like I'd go on like three four day benders and and just drink and it wasn't that I was an alcoholic it was just that's just what I did and you're being a teenager yeah and it was very easy for me to stop I just stopped cold turkey and I was like so I had the odd drink now and again and and that was it so I was kind of happy with myself in that regard but I think for me, it just, I got to a place where I needed help mm-hmm. and I didn't want to see a psychiatrist because I knew that they were full of BS. Mm-hmm. So I, in Scotland, they have the, the Church of Scotland and it's a Protestant church. However, what they do is they offer uh, counselling services. And so I went to them and it's totally non-religious um, counselling services. It's not like a priest or a minister or anything you meet with it's it's a basically a volunteer who kind of sits and listens and talks you through your problems with you and so I sat with them for probably about 20 weeks and kind of talked through like the kind of issues that I'd had and what I needed to to kind of get to get back to feeling me again because I do feel like after that it's weird after that episode of ER I really didn't like I looked at the world completely differently and really didn't feel like I kind of fitted, if, if that makes sense. So why so, couldn't you walk after your surgery? I know I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but oh yeah. what what part of it, like, why couldn't you walk? It's just because it was related it was to your brain? To do with, no, it was nothing to do with the brain. It was just the amount of drugs and stuff that they were going to pump into me. They didn't uh, want me. Gotcha. They didn't want me walking in case I fell and gotcha. hit my head. I, I don't think that's something that's like a normal protocol but I think it was just because of the it's size so of surgery uh, and the amount of drugs and stuff like okay that be... makes sense I was like dude did they like get something in there that you couldn't <laughs> like it I was like whoa that was huge but that makes more sense too because they they just had your head open so they don't want you to fall and hit your Cut head your open head. Mm-hmm. yeah because that that would have been bad uh, <laughs> that would have hurt a lot morphine probably would have kicked in again but um yeah <laughs> it was uh it was just a precaution I guess just to make sure that yeah nothing bad happened gotcha so all the surgeries that you had have all have they all gone back to gross or are they all gone back to that same one with your head or have you had different so since then yeah I've had tumors all over 
Um, okay. So I think when I was a kid, they all kind of grew in my head and my face and stuff or neck up. But That's since annoying. then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but since then, I've had um, one on my shoulder. I've got three in my hand. I've got one on my wrist. And they kind of just crawl over. I've got one on my kneecap. Does it make your like joints like uncomfortable and stuff like the kneecap one and whatever else? So I have young kids. So trying to kneel down uh, is, is quite uncomfortable because the, the tumor grows off the end of the nerve. So it, it, it causes that kind of response. And then about 10 years ago, I started getting a really strong pain in my face and it was almost as if someone was like stabbing me with a knitting needle like in the eye Ooh. and I was like uh-huh. I was like this and I was kind of like yeah this isn't fun and I, I went to a doctor I didn't go to my my guy I didn't go to uh, Patrick Statham because I was like oh this is my face I'm not going to go to him for that I went and they were like yeah there's something not right there we're going to give you a scan because you shouldn't be kind of in that much pain kind of started prescribing me strong painkillers uh turned out I had another brain tumor Goodness. I was kind of like, I was kind of son like, of a oh, gun. Well. Yeah, and and by this point, like, I married. We were expecting our first. I think at this point, um, oh so our first son was was coming along. And yeah, I was kind of like, mm, I could really do without this happening right now. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, I think my wife could as well. Yeah. And I've seen some doctors and stuff, and they were kind of like, where it is, it's actually growing where the last one was kind of taken out. So there's a bit of space there for it to grow. And I was like, all right, cool. I can live with that. So a few years had went by and they said, right, okay, it has grown. So what we're going to do is we're going to send you to Sheffield. Now I'm in Edinburgh up in Scotland and Sheffield is down in England. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sheffield, really? Yeah, there's like this gamma knife radiation therapy you can get. Oh. Um, basically, instead of pumping me full of radiation for months with like a chemotherapy or radiation therapy, mm-hmm. it was a laser. So I went down there for a day. They shot my head with a laser in this machine. They were just kind of were like, yeah, that'll shrink it now. You, it won't That's cool. Kind of, com- it won't completely get rid of it, but, you know, you'll see some shrinkage. After the first two scans, it was like, it only went down like a little, little bit. And I was like, I was kind oh. of disappointed. I was like, went through all that for for not much but in the years after that like it it showed significant because I didn't realize it was like a slow releasing radiation it doesn't Um, happen right away okay yeah so like I was like after two years I was like come on this is terrible like he's calling the doctor's calling it a win and I'm like no I don't think so but then after (laughs) after a few years it did um shrink quite substantially and and it hasn't grown since and so it's been like eight eight years or so so that since I had that so quite happy that it's it's kind of gone and or still there but it's it's kind of not grown any so it's, it's mm-hmm. I still have other tumors around there's um, some tumors if, hanging around you know some, you know just, how it is <laughs> um, and with with them they only get taken out if they bother me just gonna ask that so you don't get them all removed you only get them removed if you basically have to yeah, so okay. basically, I just I just say to Mr. Statham, let's get rid of that one because it's, it's bugging me. Um, the, like there was one on okay. my shoulder blade, and obviously, when you lie down in bed, I was lying yeah. flat on my back, and like the That's pain was just like going through me. So like that one got pulled out, and one on my scalp that got pulled out, and then it was a few years ago. I I, I was just had a regular checkup with Mr. Statham. Uh, he, he says, oh, any, any of the tumors bothering you? And I was like, actually, the one under my arm, 
is really bothering me because the kids, like when I'm toy fighting with them or throwing them around or anything, for whatever reason, like they just keep hitting it every time and it just oh sends shooting pains of course. right down my hand. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get that one out. We'll, we'll do that next Tuesday. Sorry, we'll do that. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just do it. It's fine. I was like, sorry, it's under my arm. You'd realize that. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, but you're 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 up here, your head, and this is arm. This is not like a bit below your pay grade. Wrong body part. <laughs> exactly. I was like, it's a bit below your pay grade, and he's like, nah, nah. I've I've known you for this long. I'm, I can do this one for you as well. So, and that's kind of the relationship that me and him have, have had since since I was a kid. He, well, yeah, when you've known of, him that long, I mean, you kind of get to know each other. Exactly, and like he's kind better of better than Doctor Douche. <laughs> well <laughs> exactly he's probably still in singapore playing golf but um <laughs> but I, I, th- there's always been a joke about him in singapore and i don't know where it came from i think my mom started it and i don't know if it was because he was in singapore or something but so i have a question going back to the er episode did the guy going to the doctor going to hawaii me you want to go to Hawaii or like travel or anything like that? Or was it kind of the opposite? Uh, no, he went there to say goodbye. I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> no, I'd say I wanted to go to Hawaii. I still do. Hawaii is a beautiful place. I think at that point I was like, I'd said to my mom, like, I want to go to Hawaii. And she was like, why? You've never wanted to go there before. I was like, yeah, but you know, they've got a shirt and you can surf, you can kind of do stuff and you can get a nice beach house uh, that, that you can kind of just have your own private beach for. Obviously, that's probably not reality, to be fair, but... Can we switch? Because I want to go to Scotland. Oh, yeah, we, can, just... we could just do what they do in the holiday. Yeah. We could, yeah. We just swap houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God, that'd be awesome. That'd be real fun. Who wants to be... take Chicago? <laughs> no one. <laughs> I guess we could work you in maybe. It's fine. So since you have had all these surgeries and you're constantly keeping track of all your tumors, how do you stay positive and optimistic through all of that? I've kind of got back to a place where I don't think about them. Because I think if you do think about them and you do go in on yourself, it can be quite a negative kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and can quite, and yeah, so I just, I kind of stuck to sports. Um, obviously at that point, as I'm getting older, family, because um, mm-hmm. I've got three boys now. So, um, Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like boys strength. are way easier than girls because I know I was high maintenance. <laughs> yeah, my wife says that as well. But they're, they're three boys, and, and thankfully we had a test done when, it was a, when Logan, my oldest, was born. And the condition I have isn't hereditary so it can't be passed on so oh that's good awesome that's really good yeah that was it's a load off yeah a weight lifted for sure plus you can talk sports with them I feel like I mean I'm I feel like I'm kind of the rare one because my dad and me we bonded over sports but with boys it's even easier so you can pass that love on to your boys too and it gives you something to bond over and talk about so do you have any advice for our listeners any life advice sports advice whatever type of advice you want to give (laughs) i think don't take anything too seriously if you're in a hole and you have a pile of stress coming your way don't deal with it how i did and just like fawn off as nothing but i think talk to people 
and talk to the people you're closest to because I think certainly as I've got older, like I talk to my wife about things all the time and we can talk through tumours or two of my boys are autistic. So like obviously we, we talk about them quite a lot. So I, I think if you talk to people that you know that care about you and, and they're going to look out for you and they're not going to give you any kind of bomb advice. So, and sometimes it's better just to talk about it just so it gets it off your chest and it's kind of a bit of a release. And I, I found that when I was going through the counselling, like I felt so much better after mm-hmm. it because I felt like I kind of got it off my shoulders. So two of your boys are autistic. How do you guys deal with that? I'm just curious. We already had a mom on here who had an autistic son. So now I'm like, let's compare notes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I listened to that episode. and um, Oh, yeah? Yeah. And she kind of pulled on my strings a little because I was kind of like, oh, wow. But yeah, uh, Tina, I think her her name was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, our first son is autistic and it was weird for me because like I'm usually the one that has the medical issues so it was I, I went through about a year of denial that he had autism I was like no 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 he's gonna grow out of this he's gonna grow out of this it's fine mm-hmm. it's not autism like I knew what autism was and I knew it was a thing but I was like yeah he's just slow at developing and eventually my wife kind of was like no nope. into my head it's that, you know this is reality James you need to kind of grow up and accept it and that's where that talking comes in or a slap around the head whatever <laughs> and, and then so that was that was fine we kind of went through with that and in Scotland is different in America because you have like three stages in America whereas in the UK you have this massive spectrum of autism that mm-hmm. like it's just so big and vast that no one actually understands it, I don't think so we kind of dealt with it and he's verbal and he talks sometimes doesn't stop wonderful wonderful and he enjoys dinosaurs and you know he still has meltdowns not very many and how old is your oldest younger so he's 11 so he's he's kind of gone through non-communication to being very communicative um and that has made a massive difference and then our second son carter he was born i think Almost straight away, we knew because of the first, because of Logan, that there was going to be a similar trait. He very much showed that he was autistic, but in different ways. And it was really weird because we were Hmm. trying to work out, because autism is such a a wide thing that Mm -hmm. no two kids are the same. Yes. And we, that's where we kind of struggled a little bit so we had to kind of learn what Carter's ways were um, now he's non-verbal he's five now but he's completely non-verbal and with him it's been a lot more difficult because um, obviously we're now he's getting to that age where he's going to be going to school now the laws or the regulations in Scotland and Edinburgh is we have a local authority that thinks that every kid should go to their first year of primary school regardless of ability now they're talking about sending a kid that can't talk that still wears a nappy that still has a dummy they're talking about sending him to a mainstream school yeah and so this is a fight that me and my wife are going through just now is that we're like no that's just not gonna gonna happen like it's just um, not gonna work yeah and like he's just in his own bubble and he doesn't 
kind of care what's going on around him. We had a little accident and we, we had a third. So Cooper came along about 18 months after Carter and he is not autistic. And he's actually been more of a challenge because <laughs> we were so used to autism Feeling, and Logan yeah. and yeah. Carter. And you're like, whoa, it, normal? I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> exactly. And he's like a little Tasmanian devil. Like he flies around. Like he's <laughs> sociable and he likes to show off. And that also answered my question because I was going to ask if you were, if you debated having a third child because your first two were autistic and apparently he, he, he was whoops. an oops. Yeah, we, we didn't get a chance to debate it. But we, we have talked about maybe having a fourth. But I think we're not gonna because i think the the three autistic is, is, is a lot to deal with oh yeah, yeah you've heard yeah you've and, already got three and three autistic or nor, any kids i mean that's a lot of work no matter lot. what mm-hmm. and and to be honest i don't have to deal with it because i'm at work all day so mm-hmm. in all fairness like it'd be selfish of me to say yeah we're having another kid because yeah it's my she's wife the one who has to that's at home are all your podcasts your work or do you have a do you have a regular nine to five job as well or is it just the podcasts? No, no, I have a an, a seven to four job. Um, so I'm a, an okay. engineer. Telecommunications engineer is the, the official title. Uh, but basically I put fiber optic cable in the ground so people can get faster broadband. Um, it's in Edinburgh being such an old city, the the kind of boxes that we've got in the ground and the, the kind of ducts that go under under houses and under the ground are quite old so it's quite a challenge actually mm-hmm. to to get like upgrading them and stuff yeah because no one thought 50 years ago when they were putting these in that anyone would actually go back into them so <laughs> we, we we open them up and sometimes these haven't been opened up for like 50 60 years so you do see some sights that's like from a horror movie like you open an old thing in the ground and something crazy comes out <laughs> and then you're yeah. haunted <laughs> the end <laughs> <laughs> you're a busy guy then between what, what you have the whole podcast network and your job and three kids and your wife like how do you do it all i usually don't go to bed till about 2 a.m um, wow <laughs> but i, I don't I, I you're you're, you're living life to the bed. fullest with all of the time <laughs> so normally what would happen if we weren't in like a pandemic is i'd be coaching basketball so basically, I've replaced coaching basketball with a podcast. And then out of that podcast came a second one and a third one. Um, we've got a fourth one on the way. So it's been, it, it didn't, it started off as a bit of a joke doing a podcast because I was kind of like, yeah, I want to talk sports. No one will want to hear me. I'll do five episodes and no one will listen. So I'll just stop. But I did five episodes and people listened. And I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to do a couple more, see how it goes. And then I met a, a lady on Facebook, um, Katie Brinkley, because um, I couldn't carry off an NFL show myself because my knowledge is good, but it's not like amazing. So I kind of was looking for a guest or a co-host and I bumped into Katie Brinkley on Facebook in one of these kind of um, group chat things. She was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come do it. And we did our first episode um, without even talking to each other beforehand and um, we were just kind of messaging each other because um, she's from Colorado so we kind of just decided let's go for it so we did our first episode and it was only going to be a guest spot but it was kind of apparent to me that she knew football really 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 well and I said to her like 
can we, we do this again next week? And she's like, yeah, yeah, fine. I love talking football. And we just kind of went. As the season went on, we were doing two episodes a week. Plus I was doing an MBA episode and we just kind of just kept going and people kept listening and, you know, we're getting ratings and reviews and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And it, it felt it was great. meant and to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she said, have you thought about doing a hockey podcast? And I was like, well, I don't I'm not really a big hockey guy. So like, it's never been, I mean, other than watching the Mighty Ducks when I was a kid, it's not really anything I've thought about. And God, I love the Mighty hus- Ducks. <laughs> yeah. But her husband, Josh, is a big hockey fan. He's a big Avalanche fan. Okay. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, well, okay. Because the whole concept of Across the Pond was me covering sports from Across the Pond. Right. But it's kind of it's kind of evolved and now it's across the pond we've got a host in the uk and a host in the us so i do perfect so i do the nfl nba and katie's like the nfl american side and we've got josh and chris um, who do the nhl so josh is the american side and chris is uh, in england and then the mlb jasha from atlanta and he's a former baseball player and we've got two girls from uh, england molly and tracy um, who are going to co-host that show with them. And then I've got Across the Pond WNBA podcast, which we're going to launch probably towards the end of April. So um, amazing! we've managed we've managed to get a former WNBA draftee to co-host that with me because I like basketball. Um, I've been following the WNBA for the last few years. So it's kind of a project that I wanted to take on. Like I say, I mean, we've got a website. We've got kind of everything going. So it kind yeah. of... Yeah. The, the girl who does our voiceovers is from... Chicago as well so it kind of made sense that you know I just keep going um I love it until people stop listening and people are haven't stopped listening yet so I'm just gonna keep going and that was your sign that it was something that you were meant to do like I'm a big believer in universal signs so it was just your sign that you were meant to you were meant to podcast and it's weird because I've like never done any kind of media ever let alone sports media so for me it's it's been a bit of a learning curve but, you know, managing to get guests on and stuff is something that I thought would be impossible. But I managed to get um, Kareth Burke of the Golden State Warriors to come in. She's a sideline reporter for them. Niall Campbell. And we've had Ian Mendes from The Athletic. So that's we've awesome. Done really, really well at getting some pretty decent guests. I think the next level is is obviously players. That That's probably something that will just come with time as well. And this mm-hmm. is the thing. I don't have, like, any ego or anything. So mm-hmm. I think I'm probably best to do this because of that because yeah i think I've, I've seen a lot of networks and a lot of podcasts where people have you know a bit of an ego it, it kind of puts people off the fact that we've had guests return to us and come back and do episodes um time and again like jenna harner she did her third episode with us just last night it's not released yet but um uh, she had done two nfl shows with me and katie uh, and then last night she did an nhl show with uh, Josh and Chris so even she was crossing over to to another podcast which was great that's so fun I think your Scottish accent helps you because I could listen to it all day (laughs) I know right (laughs) that's where we got all our American listeners from (laughs) they're like we just want to hear the Scottish accent I don't I don't know anything about basketball but I'm listening (laughs) I feel like the same way about our podcast we don't have the ego. So it's like, eh, we'll just keep doing it. And hopefully we keep getting listeners. That's my personal like point of view. Yeah. Like Rietta is more in it for no, let's get this thing rolling. I want more like listeners. This is my job. And I'm like, cool. I'll be here interviewing people. 
sounds good. <laughs> no, I'm more just like, I ask anybody I can, like if somebody, the worst people can do is say no. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. if, if I think somebody is interesting and I think they will be a fun guest, I'm going to ask them. And if they say no, they say no. And it is what yep. it is. That's the funny thing. Like I've had a no before. I've only had one no since I started. She was working for Sky Sports NFL. And uh, about two months after she said no, she had posted on Instagram saying she was bored because of lockdown because we went back into lockdown after Christmas. So I messaged her and I was like, you said you were busy before. Do you fancy now you're bored. Yes, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't put it like that. That was a lot more. Funny. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you didn't say that. And, and she messaged me back straight away. Yeah, no problem. So because See? I kind there of been polite about it and not being yeah. a douche. Like that she doctor. was happy to come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, if, and if you're ever interested, I don't know if it would interest you or not. My uncle actually used to play for the Vikings back yes, in the seventies. Right. So wow. if you, uh, if you want an, an old school player, uh, I can definitely ask him. And he, I mean, again, worse he can do is say no, but he's a fun guy. My mom still has the purple Vikings jacket. He gave her. Yeah. Yeah. He's, wow. he's so much fun. And actually his son, my cousin played for the Broncos as well. It runs in the family. They're, they're, they're big dudes. Really? I can hear if Katie's going to listen to this because Katie's a big Broncos fan. Katie's <laughs> going to be like, Who, what's his name? What's his name? Who is he? Who is he? Ben Hamilton. He was a, a linesman. So it's not going to be like, he's not like a running back or anything. He's not going to be super well known, but I mean, if she knew the Broncos Katie, well Katie enough, will still know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he played for them for 10 years. So. Wow. And, you know, in the NFL to play 10 years, that's that's some pretty good going because those careers do not last long. Last long. Yeah. And he actually had a pretty good concussion. And, and I think it was only a few years after that that he was like, and he's got five kids. So he's like, I'm I'm done. He's a high school math teacher now. Wow. That's a turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's very got different a, job. He's got a degree in like electrical engineering, so he's he's very very intelligent. A lot of these footballers are because they're made to go to college beforehand, and that's where UK sport falls down. UK sport, you start playing when you're 16, you, you turn pro, yeah. wow. you don't go to college, you don't go to university, you play sports. Whereas in the states, it's a lot more sensible. They send you to it's probably the only college. time somebody would say that. <laughs> Us being sensible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's true. And like he, Dennis Rodman could have been a doctor. And for me, when you look at him, obviously when he, he was playing in the nineties, he had that green purple hair and all the rest of it. You're like, what that guy could be in a doctor, but he was intelligent. There was no doubt about it. And yeah, he, very much he so. did pre-med when he was in college. So I'm definitely going to be listening to the hockey podcast. Cause I run an all women's fantasy league we've been doing it for gosh i think eight years now and it's we love it it's so much fun so that's my sport that and baseball (laughs) well we've just started um across the pond mlb as well so that the first episode kind of came out this week and it was really just an intro to them and then next week they're going to kind of hit the ground running and keep going have to listen to that for sure too actually a guy went to the guy i went to high school with is the announcer for the white Sox. So oh, really? it's always fun to see people that are how they're coming out in sports. It's great. Yeah. Jason Benetti. I don't know if you know well enough, Connie. I don't, I don't, but yeah, he's no. the, he's like the color guy for the socks on TV. I went to high school with him. Awesome. All right. So I think I have one last question. If a genie gave you three wishes, what <laughs> would you wish for and why I'm throwing in some fun ones here. <laughs> <laughs> 
three wishes. Wow. And um, why? And why? <laughs> Lifetime supply of steaks. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after my own heart. Because <laughs> you need iron. Yes. Um, <laughs> and steak is delicious. Yeah. A trip to Hawaii because, you know, that's, yeah. that's on my bucket list anyway. Definitely a trip to Hawaii. All um, expenses paid now. Oh, yeah. To Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, you have a genie. Yeah. Got to make it all expenses paid. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I want to make sure I'm in the penthouse suite as well. First class and all that. Has oh. to be. You're asking and a genie. Then, Sky's the limit. And probably a season ticket to the Utah Jazz. Ooh, all right. Nice. For that. I knew there was going to be a sports something in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. at some yeah. point. I knew yeah. too. <laughs> um, and probably I'd have to throw in a meet and greet with Donovan Mitchell with that because he's he's a player that has got so much maturity for such a young guy. I love how he kind of goes about his business, and he's for a young guy. I look up to him. So just the way how he kind of presents himself off the court as much as on it. That says a lot about a person that you look mm-hmm. up to him, even though he's younger. That really speaks volumes of the kind of character he has. Yeah, he's he does so much. Like ever since he was drafted, like he didn't like go out and go crazy buying cars and all the rest of it. He bought a car for his mum. He bought a house for his mum, and like he's very much family oriented. He looks after his little sister, um, and he does a lot of things in the Utah community that. Although I'm not in Utah, I get to hear about it because um, I've got friends and family there. So, and yeah, he's he's just such a kind of mature guy that you're just kind of like, I think a lot of people are drawn to him. Yeah, and that's probably why Utah have managed to get some of the free agents that they have um, over the last couple of years because they've seen what he's been able to do there. Well, we're gonna put the juju out there that maybe you won't need the genie, and he'll uh, he'll come and be I'll on your be, podcast, yes. or you'll meet him, or whatever it may be. That would be awesome. And you'll go to Hawaii and get lifetimes full of steaks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Telling you, house swap, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a horrible idea. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My husband would be in heaven. He is a huge, well, we both are scotch and whiskey people. So we'd be up like, let's go all the distilleries. <laughs> They're all up north. So, but you'd have a good uh, base to, to start from. That's all right. That's all I need is a base. <laughs> so this is how to deal when shit gets real. Thank you for coming and talking to us, James. Check us out on Instagram. Leave us reviews. Message us if you want to interview with us. And uh, we'll see you all next time. <laughs>